Yeah. yeah, definitely get like a good couple bits in there, you know? Like have a nice little yeah, cold yeah. open of us just shooting the shit. <laughs> yeah, I'll put a in our what? This might just make it into the podcast right now. Like, who knows? Oh, uh, bandanas. What's more efficient, bandanas or masks? <laughs> Did you see Lee for what? Turn anyone? Okay. No. <laughs> Maybe I should pull uh, out my Darth Vader mask from like when I was a kid, you know, with the voice changer. I mean... It- the real one had respiratory issues, so like maybe maybe that's the future. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Ridgeway Podcast, brought to you by the University of Pittsburgh and the Matthew B. Ridgeway Center for International Security Studies. I'm your host Adam Dietrich, and today we're joined uh, by a great panel of Ridgeway students here on the on the last episode of the Ridgeway Podcast. We have Matthew Pennock, Jamie Smith, Kara Sanderson, Shannon Keys, and Kelsey Brennan. Welcome Shout to the out, podcast, Kelsey. everyone. Shout out. Hi. Woo. Hi. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess before we get into everything, like I'm going to start this very nod to like bombshell and war on the rocks, but uh, what's everybody drinking? Because it's uh, it's happy hour time here in the quarantine. Got a Tito's and cranberry, the splash of lime juice. That's my go-to. Um, I have dogfish head, the Namaste white, wit beer. Oh, that's good. Very good. That's not too bad. Very good. I have a very chilled yingling, so that's always good. Classic. Pittsburgh classic, yes. Drinking an ice and special called Bernie Veen. Oh, oh, Matt. <laughs> trying, to, trying to up us here with your pre-quarantine travels going on. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about that. What, what's going on with that uh, Icelandic drink? Um, yeah, let's, uh, let me just look at it real quick, see what's on the... Uh, can you read the bottle? Is it in English? Yeah, they have ingredient? English and Icelandic. Um, yeah, no, it, it doesn't really say what's in it, but I, I looked it up and it, I think it has, it's, it's like, it's uh, distilled with like caraway. So it's got like a nice little um, spice to it. Um, and it's like the Icelandic specialty. So um, it's, it, like, I'm, it, it, like, it's essentially spiced vodka is what it is. Um, tastes much better than vodka. Definitely prefer it to vodka. Although I do have some Russian vodka over there. Uh, from my travels in Siberia. We'll but. break that out later. <laughs> no, I just got the a, chill. Towards the end, yeah. <laughs> was say here in PA, we're vodka. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're all we're all rationing the spirits here in PA with uh, the state source closed. So very very special. I I, I did a little, I did a little cocktail today. Uh, I broke it out. Got a a twist on a mai tai. One part rye whiskey, two parts sailor Jerry's, and then a little. Pineapple juice just emptied out the can, so you know. Oh. You can put a little garnish on there, like whatever. Fun. Kelsey, what you All right, guys, I'm late to the party, so I'm gonna go get a glass of wine, and I'll be yes. right back. Are you drinking water? <laughs> Encouragement. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. A responsible adult, Kelsey Brennan, drinking water. Hydrating. <laughs> Being a corrupting influence always positive on the Ridgeway podcast. <laughs> Well, some people say like happy hours just for like fun, but we really meant happy hour. Mm-hmm. It's I have yeah, my it's box happy week. Over there ready it's to go. Happy week. It's happy month. <laughs> I, I love that the I've been the drinking twi- since spring break. So <laughs> I love that the tweets that came out when this happened. There was like, all right, quarantine is airport rules. Like, let's just establish yep, this. Yeah, you can like, drink at nine o'clock and no one can judge you. <laughs> Days of the week don't oh, matter God. anymore. <laughs> Time is, I mean, time has always been relative, but like really now, like no perception of like hours, days, dates, mm-hmm. like it's, it's pretty ridiculous. 
There's only three days in quarantine, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I saw that on Facebook and thought it was relevant. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's a good one. I'm enjoying the sunglasses, Matt. It's a look. Thank you. Thank you. It is a look. Yankees hat and all. He's ready. What are we at? I'm a Yankees fan, so no, no hate there. Mm-hmm. Aren't you close to Philly? Aren't you from uh, like the Philadelphia? Well, I'm from like born, and my family was like born and raised in Jersey. So, oh, Jersey, that's yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I'm still a Yankees fan, so that's what counts. That was the moral of my story. As someone that grew up in Pittsburgh, it's very difficult to like be a fan. I'm doing air quotes. A fan of the Pirates. You enjoy baseball. You enjoy the Pirates, but the like the stadium. Hard to yeah, be. You enjoy oh, going. There was something that I going to games. The atmosphere of just like drinking like a cold beer, like on a nice like July afternoon, like watching the Pirates lose. Like there was something on Twitter where it was like, all yeah. I want to do is sit at PNC Park in the nice sun with but with a cold beer in my hand and watch the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates lose a game of baseball. <laughs> it is I am, a Pittsburgh pastime. I have one friend who is a diehard Pirates Yay. fan, and he <laughs> hurts himself. He experiences that emotional trauma every year and i just don't know how he puts himself through it like it is yeah it's like you know they're they're gonna lose right (laughs) how are you getting your hopes up okay not always like i mean like the season they've made 500 like once in the past like 20 years right (laughs) it's usually what about like 60 games yeah out of 160 (laughs) there are worse sports franchises every game (laughs) <laughs> uh we're kind of already in this right now but like how's everybody doing through the through the quarantine obviously like Pitts moved all our classes online we're all this is a very like anticlimactic end to our graduate studies for all of us but like how's it how's everybody doing <laughs> i think as good as good can be i'm really grateful to have a lot of projects still going on gispia and school wise that keep me preoccupied and the professors have been really great in understanding and just they're there for us if we're even just want to talk just for like fun and like really just shoot the shit like Dr. talk about something yeah related to a capstone project so they've been really accommodating and super kind mm-hmm. I agree yeah I, agree. I think you have to find like some motivation now where you have nothing to do but to, you know do schoolwork. it's tough to find like motivation but yeah I, I echo what Kira said just it's nice to have teachers that are super understanding and super flexible and zoom has come in handy to uh keep in touch with friends so lots of uh virtual happy hours and like game nights and things like that so it's it's been all right it's been an adjustment that's been all right I think for me the hardest part has been that we all won't be together again because we developed such a community the past two years so to not to know that we all won't be in the same place again and ending so abruptly I think has been hard for me yeah same I mean most of most of us well at least this this group in the interim like we're all we're all shooting for DC so like we're, we're all gonna be uh ending up there one way or another at some well, point right <laughs> I mean it's a lot of people probably won't ever see each other again it's just kind of like I don't know we like, don't get that proper like, send-off yeah like yeah. It's very anticlimactic it's like I was like thinking about like when I finish my like final like paper, I'm like, what do I do? Do I just continue drinking like I have been for the past month? And a half? <laughs> like, how do I celebrate? <laughs> do I go outside? Do I open a window? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before they shut the state stores down, I managed to get like a, a very decent bottle of like my graduation scotch. And it's just like mm. on the shelf right now, like a nice 16 year Lagavulin. And I'm just like, 
it was going to be April 23rd. And now I'm like, I guess it's whenever I hit send on that last email. I can just yeah. crack that open. Yeah. And <laughs> I have a bottle of champagne that's like down in my, my fridge, just staying chilled for a couple weeks from now. <laughs> yeah. I thought about getting a bottle of champagne and like, Oh, I guess I'll just uh, settle for the cheap wine at Giant Eagle. But I wonder if I could get a keg. Maybe do that. Okay. <laughs> just get a keg by yourself and just oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like how long, how long do you think it would take you to go through uh a keg on these quarantine rules, Matt. Like by yourself, just like in your bedroom, like like a full keg. Is a week too long? <laughs> too? I mean, I don't mean I don't mean to help you or anything like that. So feel free to like give yourself some more. Uh, no, I mean like no, no. I'm, this is like like is a week too long or is that too short? I feel like a week is like a fair. How many beers I don't are like keg, actually? So, Can I Google well, like, one, like 144, maybe? Oh, Jesus. That's, it's been, well, a, that's like it's been a while since I did get kegs. Flashback to undergrad for me. <laughs> that was close, Adam. It's 165. Oh, maybe not a week. That's like My ASU days. education sticking around. <laughs> That's that's more than twenty a day. That's like a, it's like a thirty rack a day. <laughs> I mean, if that's like I see light. You're just staying as hydrated as Kelsey, so it's all good. She had a good wine though. She's prepared. Uh, I did. You guys pressured me. So she joined we're, us. We're, we're, kind of wine. we're all on the same page. <laughs> oh, this is a um, California Chardonnay. Oh, Time, times are tough. I have to, you know, raid the parents' liquor cabinet again. So. <laughs> I do. Hey. It's called looting in the crisis, actually. <laughs> looting is considered okay. We're in a pandemic. It's the apocalypse. <laughs> but it's so uh, good to, like, see everyone now because, and not to be, like, emotional, but I didn't think when I, like, left Ridgeway before spring break that I would, like, literally, that would be, like, the last in-person goodbye, hello, whatever, for, like, a while. So, like, yeah, it's just, like, good to know you can, like, pick up where you left off even yeah. virtually, so... It's actually really funny because the last time I was on campus um, was, I, I was skipping the, uh, Dr. Williams' uh, transnational organized crime class. And I remember I was like, this is gonna be my last skip of my academic career. I will not, because like spring break was the next week and I wasn't gonna skip. So the last time I was on campus, I was skipping class. I mean, I was- Well, there you I'm go, going out on a good note, right? <laughs> so sorry, Dr. Williams, if you hear this. <laughs> I think it's the end of an era going off of all of that too it's just like not realizing like what you actually miss and what you almost like take for granted like some of the small stuff like I was talking to um a few other people and saying just how like I miss just like sitting in the conference room like in Ridgeway and just like the atmosphere and just knowing like the next time I probably step foot, if I ever go back to pause for at all to like which I probably will at some point like I won't be a student there and just like that like comfort zone of being in class and the comfort zone of knowing like where everything is and stuff like that and just being able to see everybody and now like we'll see each other again just like it's more convenient when you're all around each other like with class and school and things like that and like living in the same areas and whatnot and now it's like FaceTime and like email and text and all that stuff is now going to be like the means of like communication for now and like going forward until like you can finally see each other again in person which like who knows like hopefully that's in like a month maybe two I don't know so that's like the unknown is just like what kills me and like stresses me out a little bit and like makes me like really sad and stuff yeah. like that but it's nice to be able to see everybody and for the time being I think that like even though they say like oh like graduation is like postponed but like we'll maybe consider like 
having one like when, like whenever it's feasible again i'm like well that doesn't count because there's gonna be a lot of people that like couldn't make it even if it did happen i guarantee you they push it off till next uh spring they i agree to walk I with agree. the yeah. uh the first years this year so yeah you mean they're gonna like send an invitation that's like come back to pittsburgh and like a year later walk with all the- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people will riot if they don't like the undergrads like if they don't get like that's four years at least ours is like two and it's like kind of manageable yeah was my four year like after four years and I was a senior in college like some of my really good friends are seniors from my undergrad still and like they are just beside themselves with the not knowing and that would like I think that would be way more emotional because graduation is such a big deal you know especially like if you're the first one in your family to go to college and you know like walking is is an important step so yeah I I agree I feel worse for the undergrads than yeah because I feel like yeah at least we got to graduate college once and it was like yeah. the main one so mm-hmm. i mean not that this sucks and, or like it sucks but for this but i don't know not as sucky you could be canceling your wedding a couple of my friends had to do that cool. yeah yikes <laughs> <laughs> yikes Aroni on that one <laughs> talk about dashed expectations <laughs> love it <laughs> Just do it over Zoom, right? That's how we're doing everything these days. Yeah, I'm curious to see if there will be a Zoom, though, like a like a graduation Zoom, because we don't have, we could all fit on Zoom, those who were graduating from Gispia with the yeah. platform. So I'm curious if a Zoom graduation function type thing will occur. Like, Can I wear this? <laughs> wearing Gispia. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has to wear a Gispia shirt. <laughs> I think it was uh i think it was our friend kaylin but she was like everyone should just take pictures in their undergrad robes and like tweet yeah. the pictures around and we'll just edit in our our new diplomas <laughs> just photoshop yeah. it you know just like hold my like undergrad uh diploma and just be like the photoshop pit across it exactly kelsey you can reuse yours you went to pit for undergrad yeah but i have no idea where it is i might have my <laughs> cap somewhere <laughs> Yeah, like doing graduation over Zoom just it just would like it would just hit differently. Like there's something special yeah. about sitting in a row with all your friends with the flask hidden beneath your uh, gown. <laughs> now uh, you don't have to hide it. You can just hold it. Exactly. <laughs> like it's just it just it just doesn't hit differently because like it's not frowned it's it's not frowned upon at that point. You know, it's just like you're in the country. imagine the COVID that we would spread though if we were all sharing a flask at graduation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. public health. No, no but I totally, I totally agree, agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. There's just like something special about walking in, like walking across the stage and like everyone like applauds like when it's your turn, like your family and stuff and like that feeling of like accomplishment and stuff like that and it's just like yeah, it's just not going to like wake up on the 23rd be like woohoo and like that's it. Like yeah. hey, we're done. Especially since we know each other too because like I don't know about you all but I went to a, a rather large undergraduate uh university, WVU. Let's go Mountaineers. And um, I think our graduating class, at least in my school, was around four or five hundred. So it was like, oh, our name got called, but they had a big deal. Right. They're like going through it so fast. They're just kind of like. And we've all known each other and worked with each other. Like, I can't imagine, like, I can't hug you through the screen. Like, I would hug you on graduation day, but like, I'm going to be sitting in my childhood room with like green and gray paint, like by myself. Like, that's sad. (laughs) (laughs) I'll hug my cat. So I'll hug my, yeah, I'll hug my dog. It would be great. I mean, I feel like we should all, like, at least, I mean, I don't know what, like, the uh, university is, like, planned for us or Gitsby has planned for us on the 23rd, but I mean, like, I feel like 
at least like when most of us like finish our last like final we should all like plan something to do on zoom and just like cheers real quick yeah that'd be nice yeah I also feel like the that we're not going to be able to see the faculty members too and I think that that's something that has been on my mind as well like we were so close to so many of them and to not be able to thank them in person is pretty pretty depressing too yeah. yeah, I remember asking, and I think Jamie too, asking Dr. Kenny if he was going to be there because he's on sabbatical yeah. and we would love a picture with him. And like, mm-hmm. you know, that's like stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's he out the door. Like, yeah, Professor, uh, like Julia, Professor Sensucci, um, just because like I've, I've taken like all of her classes, like many of us have taken probably all of her classes. And I just think that, I don't know, she was like such an influence on how and like what I learned in Gispia. And like, she's like, the per- like the professional I want to be in the field so like she's a very good role model and um it just like sucks that I won't get to see her especially now because like I don't know she's just away so see what I, like what I'm kind of bummed that I didn't get to do because I think I kind of had this plan like a while ago um and like I like I wanted to get like a bunch of us together and do like toasts just like do like these nice little proper send-offs for each other you know personal toasts or whatnot and we can't do that anymore. And that's, that's kind of a yeah. bummer. Like, cause I had something to say about most of you, the ones I knew. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> oh yeah. Let's hear it well, right now. Matt. You, you have a, you have a podcast. platform. Just, have... just sell it to the world, buddy. <laughs> oh, damn. Now you put Let me, me on the spot now. Um, <laughs> we have drinks. We're ready to cheers. <sighs> well, <laughs> if you need, if you need time to refine the pitch, we can, uh, we can do a bonus. We'll come back to it. A yeah. later. Maybe come back to it. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we have nice to do on Zoom. Did I hear that? <laughs> we could totally do that on Zoom, though, after graduation. That would be a nice idea. Just to, like, get together and chat. That would be nice, yeah. For yeah. sure. We, we've kind of already gotten into it a little bit, but uh, does anyone else want to kind of wax poetic about their time at Gispia, favorite classes, uh, research you've done with uh, your working group at, through the Ridgeway Center, which we all uh, contribute to. Or, Let's or all do like greatest that. memories, not to cut you off, but yeah, I'm not sure. going to go first because I, I can't think on the spot like that, but I'm just going to go ahead and pick and I'm going to say Kira goes first. Oh, okay. Ready. Um, <laughs> I think greatest memory memories really surround like the FBI working group since I was a part of both years. So I got to work with previous students who are now graduated and, you know, be the second year student in it. And I think just really my favorite memory is coming into Ridgeway, either being really excited because I had happy news and people were there to support me or being really upset because I had sad news and there were still people there to support me. So I think it's just like being able to like walk into Ridgeway and people just read you, know you, and support you. So that would sum it up. I guess I'll go next actually, so no need to pick because mine's similar to Kira's. So same deal. Um, I came to Gispia really having like no background in like international affairs. Like I studied abroad and did like a regional focus, like when I was an undergrad with like Latin America. And so I found myself here and was really nervous about not fitting in or not like having anything in common with anybody else and just 
one of my favorite things that just about Gispia in general is just how welcoming everybody was and how easy it was to make friends and to talk to people. And even like as a second year now, just getting to know first years and how open they were to talking to people. It's just a really collaborative cohort of people between second years, especially just because we know each other a little bit better, but also some really outgoing first years that I got to know as well. Um, there's a significant chunk of people from my undergrad as well. So that was really nice to uh, reconnect with some people that um, I obviously hadn't seen in a couple years or really didn't um, interact with much uh, through undergrad. So that was nice. Um, but also like leading a FBI working group this year really gave me like a new sense of like leadership and purpose and really tested like my own personal abilities um, and stuff that basically just accentuating like what I'd already learned like as a first year and really getting to put those skills like to work and to really work with some people that I really care about and I know that are going to do great things and just being able to like help be a part of that and facilitate some stuff for them was really rewarding and just it makes me sad to know that that's like going to be over at some points but it's a lot of happy memories and a lot of great things that I can take away from all the stuff that I've done. I would also say very similar things to what Jamie and Kara said. I think that I remember coming back after the summer and we had all done our respective internships and had been away from each other for a while um, and walking into Ridgeway and being able to reconnect with everyone and, um, you know, just having that instant community feeling again, I think says a lot about who we are as a class. Um, and I have always found such an enormous amount of support from um, the staff at Ridgeway and, you know, the faculty and you guys, of course. So I think just having people that you can rely on that really know what you're going through at the time um, is probably the most valuable part of my time at Gispia. I think for me um, is kind of the opportunities that Gispia has given me, um, just like as um, a school like basically opportunities I never thought I'd have, like my first year, like briefing the FBI. Um, this year, um, we, uh, my working group uh, met, what was it, Matt? Like the, the Pakistani ambassador to the United Nations or something, or the- Yes. Um, um, but yeah, no, that was really cool. It's like just main um, bigger things that like I never thought that I'd be able to do, like General Michael Hayden, um, I had actually, he came to Gispia, but I had actually met him in undergrad because he um, graduated from Duquesne, where I graduated from, and it's just, I got to, like, see him again, and it was, I don't know, it was just, it's really great. <laughs> so you guys were all very academic, wasn't exactly what I was getting to, um, <laughs> but hey. Uh, hours? That's fine. Uh, what I'm going to say is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say something similar along those lines, um, but also a little different. Uh, what like like what I like what I appreciated most about Gispia uh, mainly is the camaraderie because um, I didn't I didn't really have a lot of that in undergrad. It was just different. I was in a different uh, position in my life. I was I didn't really uh, I wasn't really friends with a lot of my classmates at least in the political science department. Um, so it was it was new for me to come to a program uh, and just be friends with um, almost everyone here. Um, and so what I appreciated the most is just um you know like all the the after the, the, you know the after class hymns um excursions or yeah the happy Maybe hours once or twice or before class um <laughs> you know or or like the lunch beers you know we always go for a couple of lunch beers uh one lunch beer for professors listening 
Just one. <laughs> Singular. Get to yeah, no. at Thames. The it's been really great uh, getting to go to class with you guys, and in terms of just like Gispia, I've they've always been like very supportive. I think of, of students, particularly myself, and like kind of pursuing our interest. It was it worked out so amazingly that I was actually able to come here. Um, I, I it just everything kind of just fell in line very quickly uh, once I reached out to the school, and I feel that while there is some structure to our program, like you're really able to kind of pursue what your interests are and like almost kind of like build your, your own program around it. And I think the epitome and maybe one of my favorite memories, I guess, if you want to call that is, is actually getting the chance to, to start this podcast. Uh, I, I talked to Sandy over at the Ridgeway center and this is something they were interested in. They, they really have just let me run for it. They've given us support and buying uh, microphones and, and helped um, not only, you know, in the beginning, it was a lot of getting faculty and talking to them, but getting a chance to uh, bring in a former DASTI and a couple fellows from the uh, Army War College and just kind of the opportunity to, to do my own thing and, and explore this space has been has been fantastic for, I don't know, any future Gispians who might be listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I think this podcast has really given a voice to Gispia, um, like, like a particular voice. Like, you know, I'll go to like recruiting events and try to recruit like you know, potential students and stuff like that, but it's not like, it's in a structured setting. It's not in like a, I don't know, like a real just kind of chill setting. Like this is what we talk about. This is what we research. This is what we're drinking now that we're in quarantine. Um, so I think it's a really good, like comfortable way, um, eat, like for potential students to just listen to this and be like, hey, I want to go to Gispia. Yeah, and I think them, you bring up, oh, go ahead, Kels, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of them are, you know, choosing a school, and not even touring it. I know I've had a few prospective students come my way and they're just devastated, of course, because they've never been to Pittsburgh, never really, of course, like been to Gispia, like our building. So they're really virtually choosing. So I think that this podcast hopefully gives some insight about Gispia and the camaraderie and whatnot. Yeah. And I was also going to add, um, Adam, to your podcast point. I think you raised an important uh, point about the autonomy that you get at Gispia because I don't necessarily think that that's typical of other programs and I've certainly had similar experiences where you can go to the faculty members or um, Sandy who runs the Ridgeway Center with an idea and they give you a lot of free reign to run with it and that's definitely um, something that I've experienced with the women in international security chapter yeah. you know we launched that organization with um, significant support from Sandy and um, Diane at the Ford Center and, you know, different faculty members and whatnot. So I think having that ability to kind of bring forth your ideas and have the support to launch kind of whatever it is that you're passionate about is something that's really unique. Mm -hmm. They're definitely there to help you succeed and they'll do anything that they can to kind of help you with what you need from them to get you in touch with who you need to get in touch with, whether that's a different faculty member or a contact that they have. It's just the contacts that and the knowledge that the professors in Gispia have just like blew me away. Even from like the first like couple months I was in the program, just I knew that like I was in the right place and in good hands with like the professors, just knowing like how capable that they were of like teaching and things like that and just how generous they were with 
helping students and things like that. So that definitely made a difference and definitely something I have not heard from other people that I know that are in other master's programs or even at just, just like other institutions and things like that. So it really does make a, a standout difference. Yeah, and I think at least like the difference between like, I mean, I don't know if it's like this with every undergrad. I mean, I, I didn't go to like a huge school, but I didn't go to a small school, but the international relations department where I went to undergrad, like, I mean, it, it's great, um, but like, I feel like, just feel like there was like too many people to like really get to know certain um, faculty and certain, you know, uh, professors. But I feel like in grad school, like we are such like a, a small cohort that um, it's just, I feel like, I mean, just, I feel so comfortable with the professors that I can really just like tell them anything. They know who I am um, and I'm not just like a person, like a number sitting in a classroom that they just have to lecture at. Like they know my strengths, my weaknesses. Um, they can write uh, letters of recommendation because they actually know me. Um, so I think that's a really great perk of grad school, but specifically Gispia. So, I, I mean, I'll say this about uh, just my grad school experience. Um, it was probably one of, it was the, like these past two years have probably been the two most formative years mm -hmm. uh, in my life. Um, I agree. I feel, you know, I feel like I really have found my voice. You know, I'm not as terrified of speaking in public anymore. Um, you know, I, I feel confident in what I know. I remember when I first started uh, Gispia, I'm sure many of us have all had this uh, thing called known as imposter syndrome, where, you know, we're suddenly like, uh, oh, oh my God, like, do I know anything at all? Like, um, and then now I'm, I've reached the point and I don't want to sound too, you know, overconfident or egotistical, but you know, now I, like, uh, I, you know, I feel as if I know I'm an expert in my field. I'm a master, if you will. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I can, I can appreciate that about grad school. Um, some people have, have said that I have too much hubris, uh, but hey, you know, it's better to be overconfident than underconfident, I think. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was um, I found my voice to like kind of challenge things and challenge the norms. Like I'm like, I'm not just a student in taking information. I'm actually like a social scientist or like however you want to like say it. Um, like I'm an act active contributor in this field, in the research in this field, um, even at, at such a small level um, that I was able to like, like read these academic articles instead of just like taking what they said um, kind of to heart, you just like, no, that's not right. I don't like the way they like uh, characterized this. And specifically for me um, with the working group now, it's, um, I focus a lot on the, the state as um, a terrorist. And as you know, like at least from Dr. Kenny's class um, and like other previous terrorist classes that we may have taken that like, you know, only non-state actors can be terrorists. And that's something that I really like kind of wanted to research and um, kind of challenge I guess and um, I think grad school has definitely given me that voice to not feel bad about challenging things that I'm learning. And also just prepares you and makes you better employees with all the field that we want to go into like staying quiet doesn't change anything so you're always going to be in instances where speaking up could make the difference and where you're going to be challenged and you should challenge other people and things like that so it's never a bad thing. And it's always something that just you can take with you and a skill that you should be good at and what should hopefully want to be good at just with the field that we all kind of want to go into that those kind of make like sometimes like life and death, like changing decisions in some cases. 
And it strengthens us as current students and soon to be graduated, but also future Gispians. I can think of, you know, Matt, everyone that does like Matt and Jamie as like leaders of a working group, you know, you're setting the standard for future working groups, Adam in the podcast, like, and Kelsey, but the women in international security studies, like Shannon and I being involved in working groups and like outside things as well, just like, it's really strengthening the program for future students too, not just ourselves. I, I think mean, that's just... a big... Oh, no, go, I, was say, <laughs> I think that the big takeaway for any prospective students listening to that is that all of us have been heavily involved in activities. And I think that the classes are great at Gisbea, and I think the world of the professors, um, but there's only so much that you can learn in a classroom for practical experience. And so I think having the opportunity to take advantage of all of these outside activities and opportunities has really shaped my time at Gisbea and prepared me to enter the field as I have felt it has for many of us that have definitely gone the extra mile to be as involved as we are. No, I, I completely agree. I, I think that the classes are fine, but if you if you go to grad school and you only kind of do the, the minimum requirement and the core courses and just kind of like push your way through, like you're really missing a lot of opportunities, particularly at at Pitt. There's so many places in which you're able to, to do, do more and conduct your own research and take, you know, internship opportunities and whatnot. Uh, you really need to uh, go and explore. And I, I guess kind of on that note, like um, Shannon mentioned, we, we have a couple of like different working group leaders here uh, on the podcast right now and everyone here has contributed. So uh, maybe, uh, how, how would you guys feel about like going around, giving a little like elevator pitch about, uh, what you've worked on, uh, on your grad career? Uh, you can choose to focus on your working group. Uh, I mean, particularly the leaders, I really hope you, you talk about the working groups. Uh, but if it, it could be like a capstone project or, uh, just an important paper you wrote something else, just, just, uh, here, here's, here's a little bit of a, here's a platform. Here's an opportunity to, uh, talk about that guys. Sure, I'll go first, I guess, then. So basically, so like our focus is like a terrorism basis. And so our FBI partners tasked us specifically with working on um, hate crimes and like a domestic terrorism focus. So, um, but more from like a policy perspective, actually. Um, we broke it down into two semesters and looked at um, some really interesting pieces of what constitutes a hate crime, how it's kind of... Um, how it's charged, if it's charged, and we looked at it from like a domestic and an international focus to um, eventually this semester build like a, a CVE strategy to kind of, if we were to prescribe policy or to prescribe changes um, to how we think that places could counter something with like a domestic terrorism or like a, a white supremacist basis or any type of hateful groups and things like that, how you would kind of counter them. Um, previous years have done different things, but it's kind of all been around like a domestic focus of um, things that are, since it's with the FBI, it's focused on how it pertains to the United States. Um, so it really gives great research experience. We write from scratch. We do a lot of databases and figures and stuff from scratch. So a lot of really hard skills that you get to take on with you um, once you're done with Gisby and things that employers are going to probably ask you to uh, do one day too. So it's really great. I think everybody should be part of a working group in my personal opinion, um, because there's really something for everybody. Um, just generally my own personal preference and focus for the, as I guess be a student was terrorism and like intelligence analysis and things like that. So it was really great practical experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my, so my working group is the, uh, gray zone working group. 
um, through the Ridgeway Center. And uh, the gray zone can be um, identified as this kind of like area in between um, kinetic conflict and uh, no conflict. What we saw with Russia in the past is they would buzz uh, like uh, U.S. destroyers or they would buzz um, restricted airspace with their fighter jets or whatever, or they'd fly bombers through them or, or, or whatever. Um, that, like, that can be considered a gray zone action. And in years past, we had focused on the Russia and China side of things. But this year, I thought it would be advantageous if we shifted gears to... And so I wanted to look at uh, how India, Pakistan, and in some cases China are... Um, you know, acting in this gray zone. Um, all three of them have gone to war with, you know, somebody in that, in that trio. So, but India and China have been, at, have been to war and then pocket nuclear weapons just, you know, ups the ante, I think in that region. And specifically this, uh, this year we focused on, we had people write about, you know, as, as Shannon mentioned, she, uh, uh, she wrote about um, the Pakistani uh, um, co uh, covert, sponsor uh, sponsorship of terrorist organizations as well as um and of course she can speak more broadly to this i don't want to steal her thunder but she also talked about how india is acting as a um as a terrorist from a, like a state standpoint um which really challenges the norm of thinking because we don't generally um you know look at states as um terrorist actors um and then we had um, Adam, also, you can speak to your piece because you're also in that group. Um, we, uh, we talked about Article 370. Um, Hindu nationalism, uh, that's something I really wanted to hit because, and it's something that's less, um, you know, not, not as talked about, but it's still very important because there is a lot of um, violence perpetuated against Muslims in India and also in uh, Kashmir. Um, and and, and, uh, and uh, a lot of the times we find that the state doesn't, uh, you know, either doesn't get involved, they encourage it, um, or they just, or, or they just look the other way. Um, so it's very interesting. And, uh, and, uh, we looked at that. We had one student, Adriana, who wrote a real nice piece about Modi and the BJP and then the RSS, um, which is kind of where the Hindu nationalism, uh, you know, where is it, which is like the bedrock of, uh, politicized Hindu nationalism, uh, in India. So, uh, we definitely covered all the bases and I myself focused on, uh, the nuclear side. Um, basically, uh, you know, uh, specifically like the doctrines of both India and Pakistan um, and how they uh, position themselves nuclearly against each other. So um, it's very interesting. Um, I'm really proud, really proud of everyone in the working group. Um, you know, we're working to publish our own little kind of journal like um, a book or pamphlet. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no, that, that'll be coming soon. Like I said, I'm really proud. I think we did a uh, really good work this year. Um, yeah, so for me, um, I think the biggest thing that I'm um, like, I kind of want to like lump a few of the main um, kind of things that I've worked on the past two years. And I think the biggest thing I got out of all of this was um, kind of like how to be like a data analyst, um, like visual, like collect data, analyze data, visualize data, um, and like present it in a coherent way. Um, I did this through um, last year in the FBA working group. We worked with um, like uh, terrorism on ground transportation um, or accidents on ground transportation. Um, nationally, we had to like focus on like how many accidents or how many um, like incidents were from ideologically ideologically inspired actors or were just accidents from like human error stuff like that. So we had to make a whole database with that and um, just kind of aggregate a lot of data. 
Um, and then for um, the capstone class, which we are all in um, for Dr. Williams with um, Central America and mapping governance, um, I think that the data that I've had to, like collect on um, many different things like homicide rates, schools, and then analyze that um, as our GIS folks have put on a map um, has really expanded my knowledge in that sector and kind of how to read maps um, and like analyze it with outside research. And then um, specifically with, um, I've also had to um, analyze um, a lot of data and present it in graph form um, for uh, Matt and I, and Adam and I's working group for the gray zone, um, which I did a lot of like, like how, like how many out of, um, a lot of that is like kind of uh, outdated, but what I could find was like, you had to like, we'd like learn how to like present um, and like visualize like how like many terrorists were dying versus how many civilians versus how many um, state actors um, and kind of like write a little paragraph for each graph and each map um, and stuff like that. So I think like those three things have really made me a better like analyst in general, especially because I got to like actually know how to um, interpret data. And I think that's a really, really good, uh, it's like a strong point that a lot of um, employers like to see. And also, I guess, like, I'll talk about um, what I did in Matt's working group, um, the Gray Zone working group, um, just with state, like I mentioned before, state terrorism versus state-sponsored terrorism. I was trying to make the argument that, um, well, because everyone knows it's general consensus, general knowledge that Pakistan sponsors these non-state actors, um, non-terrorism uh, actors um, in, I mean, multiple places, mostly Kashmir, and um, I was in Dr. Kenny's um, terrorism class whenever I like had to come up with like, we were like picking topics and um, choosing what we wanted to write about. And we briefly talked about state terrorism and um, that kind of like challenged everything that I had um, learned in undergrad about terrorism and how a state can be a terrorist. So I'm basically arguing specific, specifically um, like India's recent crackdown at the end of last year in Kashmir um, and the targeting of civilians and kind of just like the lack of regard for um, civilian deaths um, by Indian state security forces um, and kind of like challenging the notion that um, it's like states um, can't commit terrorism and like how there's such a fine line between political violence or like genocide or um, terror, if you will, um, just stuff like that and how that can, like, there's such a fine line. Like, I, there's so many different, like, definitions, like, set boxes, and I think that I'm trying to make the argument that states can commit terrorism. They just have it under a different name, like, political violence. That's what terrorism is. It's political in nature, and it's violence. Um, so that's my argument. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's really interesting. It's been It was really interesting getting a chance to edit and kind of review your paper when we were going through a publication because you are making this like very strong argument that uh is um i i guess, I guess counter to the to the normal understanding of how we define terrorism particularly in such a, a state-centric system as we do uh yeah, i guess i, I get, challenge it but it was really fun but sorry again i mean i mean weirdly on your last note just if, you, if you're looking at more of like uh because you mentioned Genocide and stuff, and I, I'm also in the genocide prevention capstone, and uh, uh, you might be really interested. Uh, ben Valentino wrote Final Solutions, and he 
there there are issues with like the the official like definition of genocide and and most scholars at this point kind of like create their their own terms and ways around it because the official definition is somewhat limiting by the UN for for Cold War reasons uh but he he works with a, a a very strict mass killing definition which focuses on just uh deaths it could be civilian or military in in a time period it's it's 5000 deaths in like a thousand years and, and like kind of from this like universal concept he includes a lot of other actions that are not normally considered in the in the mass atrocity space mm -hmm. uh i don't know you might find that interesting uh yeah I'll since, since <laughs> Since I'm talking, I'll, I'll just do my my working group pitch now. Uh, I'll, I'll go earlier. Uh, I was also in the gray zone group. Um, I started with Matt last year, uh, first semester at Gispia. And I've had the opportunity, because uh, we've gone through several different stages, and I've kind of become the, the gray zone theory person in the group. Uh, like, that was the piece I wrote uh, in the beginning last year and kind of one of the pieces that I wrote in the definition because the previous year we worked on like the Syrian conflict before we moved to border disputes between uh, India and Pakistan. Uh, so I, I've got to kind of like craft our definition, I guess, that the, the working group is based off of. And it, it's just as Matt said, it's the space between um, kind of internationally understood like conventional warfare in normal uh, peacetime diplomatic activities uh, and what I, what we've kind of added to that also is this idea of revisionist intent and how, what kind of makes an action gray zone is that it's done in this idea of shifting the international order below the level of armed conflict. And uh, with that idea, when in our most recent publication, I talked about Article 370, and while in some ways it is entirely a domestic issue, I argue because it is about um, kind of redefining the uh, Kashmir-Pakistan border dispute by, I, I argue that the goal is the change in the demographics within the region, uh, making it more Hindu and less Muslim, and therefore making it more Indian than Pakistan. If you, if you buy into that uh, definition, uh, it really should, be, from an international affairs perspective, it should be kind of understood as this kind of like subtle underhanded gray zone technique. Uh, so getting a chance to work with that and kind of define work in that space was uh, really interesting. And as someone who considers themselves a bit of a security generalist working both in the human security and international national security spaces, uh, the gray zone group has been a great place where I can kind of apply like all those skills together. All right, I'll jump in. Um, so Jamie and I did very similar work because we've been a part of the same projects for the FBI working group group these past two years. But one of the most rewarding experiences was being the MPIA representative in the student cabinet of Gispia. It was one of those things where as a first year student, I didn't want to take on too much, but I'm so glad that I went for it and ended up being the representative because you learn so much about the program and about other majors and people that are minoring in different things that you never knew was possible and get to hear their perspective. And it's extremely important for, of course, employers to be able to know that you can work independently, but also in a team. So that provided me an experience to work with a team, but with people from all different backgrounds. There were part-time students, of course, full-time students, uh, PhD students. So that was a really rewarding experience on top of being a part of a team with the Ridgeway Working Group. So 
definitely would recommend that. And you got to work closely with faculty. And one of my like proudest moments was working closely with Dr. Kenny to really promote and support the cyber minor. Shannon and I are completing that now through GISPIA and it's really worth it. It's great to talk about for, with future employers and I've learned a lot from it. So I'm glad that I could be an advocate for that for future GISPIA students as well. Yeah, just to like jump in real quick on that cyber minor thing that I think um, like it was just brand new our, at the end of our first year. And I think it's been such a, a privilege to like um, kind of just test it out for the rest of, um, you know, GISPIA in the future. Um, I think it was really cool to kind of be like the guinea pigs with it. Um, and I, I did learn a lot as well. And I'm really excited for um, this minor to go further um, within GISPIA. So. And I guess I'm up. Um, I led a human trafficking focused working group for the past two years, but it was actually with the Ford Institute for Human Security. And the Ford Institute and the Ridgeway Center work very closely together, which is great because it's given us, us a lot of opportunities to work with both centers. Um, they focus more on the developmental aspect and maybe, you know, the more um, community welfare aspect versus the Ridgeway Center focuses on more traditional security studies. Do you guys think that's accurate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. As so, the other human security person here, I do agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last year, our working group um, partnered with Pitt Cyber and developed a um, developed the research to inform a hackathon looking to address technical solutions to combat human trafficking. And that was really successful. We partnered with a lot of organizations, including um, uh, organizations that offer, offer support to survivors and law enforcement personnel and you know, just a, a large range of people working on this issue. So that was great. And this year we partnered with the State Department's Trafficking Persons Office and we're looking at disrupting human trafficking within global supply chains. And both of those groups were really a wonderful opportunity for me because I certainly don't have a technical background or a business and supply chains background either. Um, so being able to pair my policy knowledge with those other fields, I think has been really valuable and taught me a lot. Um, separately from that, as I mentioned earlier, I helped launch the Women in International Security Pit Chapter, which seeks to increase women's leadership in international security. So we've been able to similarly partner with a lot of men and women working in the field, um, build up the membership on Pitt's campus, and really just look at some of these security issues broadly, and then also some um, through a gendered lens, which has been really interesting to me. So I think just having the opportunity to focus on issues that I'm interested in has been great at GISPIA. And as I mentioned earlier, there's definitely that support built into the program where if you're interested in something, then you will be able to get involved in it um, and have people there to support you. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Kelsey, you actually just reminded me I, I got to give a little shout out to, to you and Kira for uh, giving me a little help with this uh, podcast last semester. Uh, I, I did work on starting it up over the summer, but while I was in DC, another another program, if you are a first year or about to start at Pitt, you should definitely look into because I thought it was very rewarding, but 
Uh, Kelsey was able to help me as a line producer here in the Ridgeway podcast and Kira stepped in as host uh, for a fair few episodes. So uh, yeah, thank you both so much for helping to keep this going while I was stuck out uh, in DC. <laughs> no, it was a great opportunity to get involved in. And you know, that was just one of, of many I, things. I got, I got you on the air though, for whoever you were just like, no, no, I'm not gonna, I'm <laughs> yeah. not gonna come on. Yeah, no, this typically isn't my thing. <laughs> Here she is. <laughs> For the last one. <laughs> no, but those are, like we all mentioned, great opportunities once again to work with people because, you know, every person you work with isn't the same. So you learn a lot from everyone that you meet and work with and really just take that and put it in your toolkit as you continue on. No, I, I, this has been a very rewarding experience overall. I don't know, I don't know what expectations I, I really had for, for grad school. Uh, you know, they were perhaps more, more formative than I expected in my career going forward. But I, I think it. I don't know. It's been very, uh, it's been very re rewarding. Maybe a bit more so than I expected. And, I know. I think. I mean. I can speak at least to the the group that we have here right now. I think we got a uh, bright futures ahead of us. Yeah, I think that um, at least oh, like uh, like the the two years that I've had at Gispia or like in grad school in general has, I mean, went above and beyond the four years I had on just undergrad. Um, I've learned so like so much more in these two years than I did at any other time, um, and it was hard as we can all can attest to but i think that it, I mean, it's i know that it's well worth it and you feel very accomplished at the end so and i think even without a ceremony yes yeah. <laughs> that is also true and we went through this all together and like experienced similar and different things but i still think that at the end of the day with gispia and the people i've met that even if i don't talk to you every single day or every month like i'm still willing to go to bat for you and help you out and like, like the connection and networking is still there a hundred percent. And of course, willing to always help out like in the future, no matter what, or vice versa. So that's great to know. Yeah. I'm very grateful for, I mean, all of you guys and everyone that I went to Gispia with, cause like, it's always just, no matter like, you know, you're always like, you're here, we're here for ourselves, but we also just the encouragement we have, I, I've experienced from other people has just been phenomenal. Like going through like the security clearance process, as many of us can attest to, like, I would just text random people. I'm like, hey, can you meet up with this person at like Einstein's for like five minutes so they can like verify that I went to Pitt? And they're like, yeah, 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 no problem. I'm already there anyway. It's fine. Like just the drop of a hat. Like, but yeah, I'll do whatever. It's fine. Where do you need me? What time? And it's just, it's a great. Trying to get like give our swan songs. <laughs> oh yeah, wait. Yeah, we have to go back to Matt. Oh. Ooh. That's right. You you can't just slide into the radar <laughs> like that. We gave you like twenty five minutes to think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is this cheer is going to be like a? <laughs> well, the problem is, uh, I, like, I don't I don't know you all well enough to be able to like give you all oh. proper toasts. That's funny because you said before you did. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't you say that like you? <laughs> I said, I said, I, said I said many of you. I think. Wow. Well, we wouldn't want you to single anyone out, so maybe we'll give you an exemption and let you uh, simply toast the, uh, the 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 Ridgeway Center. How about that, Matt? <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll give a toast to uh, Ridgeway Center, Dr. Phil. Uh, thanks for being one of the best advisors I ever had.
Oh. Oh. Oh yeah, Phil the Thrill. We got we got to give a love out to Phil. Mm-hmm. Gotta give a shout out to Sandy. She is the straight up kiss me a plug. Like anything you need from Sandy, she got you. That's she's gonna be my girl for life. I, she's one of the people I'm gonna miss probably the most. Just like just going in and just like talking to her about everything under the sun, whether it's school related or like crime junkie podcast or something like that that we listen to. She's just so easy to talk to, and it's just like just another like person that I'm gonna be so thankful for and for the rest of like my life that Gisby gave me. So same with Dr. Kenny and Julia and like people like that. It's just like, they've just made such an impact on all of us. It's just like, it's an, it's immeasurable. And it's like saying thank you doesn't even feel like it covers it. Exactly. And I know we talked a lot about like, it is really bumming it not to have the graduation and see each other. Like those feelings are completely valid. But I think what I take away from this pandemic and quarantine is that I'm we'll never take things like this for granted. Like, I'm just extremely grateful to have met the people I met through Gispia and experienced what I did. So a lot of gratefulness and appreciation to those people that made my journey throughout Gispia. Here, here. Here. Here, here. (laughs) Kelly's trying to get the last drop out of her empty wine. (laughs) It's a very productive future for all of us. Um, We all have our own unique career goals and um, I don't really know what else to say other than best of luck to all of you. Um, We may not all be in the same place, may not all see each other again, unfortunately, or at least in person, but um, best of luck to all of us. May we find those jobs that we've been so after for the past couple of years. So that was so nice, Matt. (laughs) Well, I think, I don't think there's a better place to, to end the podcast than on that. Uh, I want to thank all of you guys for, for coming on and, and contributing in this last hurrah. And for everyone who's contributed or, or been a guest on the Ridgeway podcast, then thank you just so much. Uh, special shout out to uh, Dr. Williams and, and Sandy, who has been a huge supporter of the podcast. Um, and yeah, just uh, hopefully that the, the who are now the first years and who will be the second years will run with this and uh, do their own thing and uh, also create great content. So um, if you are subscribed to the podcast, stay tuned. Hopefully you'll see something next fall and uh, yeah, stay safe out there, everybody. Cheers. 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 Thanks, Adam.